1: The Box of Oddities is now a Castbox original. Castbox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to the Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give Castbox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with Castbox. We think it's the best. the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hello, beautiful freaks. Ooh. Welcome back to the box of oddities. Oh.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. I love how you say that. It's, you sound like fraser
2: Welcome back. Let's go to the phones, Passaic, New Jersey. You're on the air. <laughs> Um, we are so glad that you're hanging out with us. And we would love you to hang out with us in Nashville, too.
0: I've been doing some research. I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but it looks like Nashville's a pretty cool city.
2: That's what I'm hearing. I've only been at their airport. <laughs> and, I, and I drove our RV through it once. Oh my other than that, um, not so much. But uh, our show is going to be the 27th of February. We are getting uh, messages from people that are planning on being there. Some are flying in from other states, which blows my mind.
0: We're hoping that you will come to Zany's Comedy Nightclub, Nashville, Tennessee, February 27th. And tickets are on sale now.
2: You can get them at our website, theboxofoddities.com. And we're in the process of uh, getting together some merch to bring along.
0: Right. Uh, so we can have things at the show for you because uh, we don't ha- like have anything in our possession. I'm just like, what could we bring for them? Maybe like this head? <laughs> I don't know if the airport would let me pack that though
2: No, probably not They have rules against uh, body parts <laughs> Being in your carry-on
0: I'm sorry, is this a wet specimen? Maybe hmm. But yeah, in the meantime, you can get your merch at uh theboxofoddities.com.
2: It's like kind of like a one-stop shopping experience for you. You can buy your merch and get your tickets to the live show.
0: You go first, yeah?
2: I go first. I got an email we did. I intercepted it and stole the idea once again. Son of a bitch. This comes from Billy James who uh said that he had Not my
0: lover. He's ju- well, okay. Go ahead.
2: He said, uh, there's a, a guy who is designing and attempting to fund a roller coaster with the sole intention of killing the people riding it. Yes,
0: the euthanasia coaster. Yep,
2: euthanasia coaster. He wrote, possible discussion points. What happens at the end of the ride? Are there safety harnesses? If so, why? ha! <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I think, I think you might find this topic as interesting as I do. Keep flying the freak flag, Billy James. I wrote to him and I said, uh, Billy, great idea. And laid out like a pro, are you a journalist? And he wrote back and said, no, I am just a body piercer. That being said, I especially enjoyed the body modifications episode. First of all, you're not just a body piercer. You're an artist. <laughs> I'm looking at some of your work right now. Yeah? Well done, sir. Let me
0: see. So cool. Cool.
2: So the euthanasia coaster.
0: Wait, it's a real thing.
2: It's a real thing. It's
0: amazing.
2: Usually, when people design roller coasters, they go out of their way to try to keep the roller coaster from killing people.
0: Right, safety is kind of a big deal.
2: It is a big deal, except for an artist named Julianus Urbanus. Don't you love that name?
0: I really do. I
2: hope I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Uh, the idea behind the coaster is to uh, is to kill thrill-seekers in a painless experience (laughs) intended to bring them joy in their final moments. I'm pulling information from uh, Ranker, from Wikipedia, and Vice. So, the Euthanasia Coaster is the brainchild of Julianos Urbanos. Julie. Julie for short. Um, Of course, this is something that has not been built yet, and it was built initially as an art project. But the coaster's designs are specified so that if it was scaled up to actual proportions that he's designed it as, it would be lethal. He has built a um, like a scale model of it mm-hmm. to show people what he has in mind. And according to all of his math, you would die from uh, G-Force. Here's a picture of it. Now, that tall hill uh-huh. that it starts with is a quarter mile drop. Oh, And then there are a series of loop-de-loops that get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the idea is the centrifugal force will build up, creating uh, 10 Gs of force, which is lethal. You would black out... And what
0: what uh, is it that actually kills you? Is it your
2: asphyxiation?
0: Oh, because your lungs can't fill with air.
2: You black out because of the centrifugal force, because of the G force and because of the, uh, the, the pressure on your lungs, you cannot breathe and you die. He says he designed the device to assist those wishing to end their lives by providing an allegedly euphoric way out. Uh, He has consulted with uh, a doctor whose name was Michael uh, Gresty of the Spatial Disorientation Lab at Imperial College. I
0: I didn't know that was a thing. It is. That's wonderful.
2: So he did his research and he got his specifications. Uh, He also consulted several other experts in the field. Now, a full-sized euthanasia coaster would drop its rider 500 meters, which is over 1,600 feet, before sending them into seven back-to-back loops.
0: How many, how many grilled cheeses is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, please continue.
2: The coaster allegedly would hit about 100 meters per second, nearly 224 miles per hour, uh, reaching G-forces of 10, at least 10, causing a loss of oxygen to the mm-hmm. brain, unconsciousness, and then death. And uh, he's pitched the concept as, an, as art, but also as a solution to overpopulation. He's hoping that sometime in the future, somebody will build this and just use it to control population. He's just kind of a, I don't know, a, a fun Jack Kevorkian. You know, instead of it being like a little suicide machine that sure. you pull the lever yourself, he's going to put us on a carnival ride of death.
0: This is amazing. I am in. I You know, I mean, on a very serious note, I am pro-death with dignity all the way. I think that you should be able to decide when the end of your life is. I don't think that it's up to anybody else. And um, I know it's kind of controversial, but that's just how I think. I I feel like you should have ownership of your own body. And I also love carnival attractions.
2: (laughs) Yes, you do. The Euthanasia coaster would be more than three times the height. Of the tallest roller coaster in the world, which uh, is the Kingda Ka, and that took 18 months to build and 25 million dollars to construct. They're saying that if if they were to build this in today's money, huh. it would be over a hundred million dollars to build the roller coaster.
0: I just thought of something: amusement park. <laughs>
2: I Uh, love it. could be a whole series of different rides.
0: Different things that will kill you. Yeah,
2: like a Gravitron. Once it gets spinning, the walls open and throws you out. Just hurls you out into a pit of sharpened stakes. Now, even though though for obvious reasons this has not been built, Mm. there have been several people who have created computer simulations and uploaded them to YouTube. Maybe we can post a link of that on our social media. Yes, please. I don't think you'll die. Probably not. In 2015, a guy named uh, Glenn Patton released a short film called H-Positive. It's only about 10 minutes long, and the idea is a euthanasia coaster and uh, presents a type of person who would actually ride it in the film. And obviously, Rich Guy narrates directly to the audience about his uh, terminal diagnosis. He, mm-hmm. He's going to die, and he has plans to build a death coaster. So he builds this for himself, and then you get to watch him as he straps himself in and finishes the project, takes his last ride. My question is, why bother with strapping yourself in?
0: Well, be- I would imagine because you want to complete the, the ride. Okay. because And... Nothing would be worse than not strapping yourself in, falling out of the coaster midway through, and then just being like, Ugh.
2: "That's a good question, though. <sighs> what do they do? Because up to twenty four people can ride this. Twenty four people can oh die at a time at a time. Oh yeah, you can put twenty four people in it. And um, I, I
0: really, I genuinely pictured it as a one person ride. Sure,
2: yeah. yeah. But
0: I guess that's just how I.
2: Well, economics in general. <laughs> economics uh, suggests womp that uh, you're able to uh, to kill more than one person at a time. It's just more cost effective.
0: Good, good yeah. smarts.
2: So they load the 24 people into the uh, into the coaster. Mm-hmm. It goes up to the very, very, very top right. of this 1600 foot drop, and then it stops. This is how it's been designed. And if somebody changes their mind, they can get out.
0: Oh, that's good. So they have like a platform up at the top for whoopsie.
2: Whoopsie, I'm having second thoughts. I meant to
0: get on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride.
2: (laughs) Which is far less deadly.
0: Unless you be walking the plank. I'm sorry. Mm, I don't know why I did that. It's all right.
2: Your inner pirate was released. So it plunges off the edge. It goes down. It goes through the six loops. Your body becomes numb. And then you die. Mm -hmm. Or your brain dies of oxygen deprivation. So... The car rolls to the uh, final destination and comes to a stop, and now there's 24 dead guys in there. Yeah. Whose job is it to lift them out, and what do they do with them then?
0: Well, I would hope that they are all organ donors and that there is a plan for each and every person to be parceled up.
2: Maybe they could do it right there. Maybe they have a facility right there. Uh So they just take you off the roller coaster and then carve you up. And then there's like, I don't know, observation theater around the top where other amusement park goers or, as you said, Abusement park park goers Mm -hmm. can go and watch them carve these people up. So, you know, that's horrifying, too.
0: Why do you want to watch people's bodies being carved up?
2: Why do you want to die on a roller coaster?
0: Well, I want to die. What's it to you? It's
2: an abusement park.
0: Leave me alone. <laughs> Your idea is gross.
2: Experts say that uh, I- even though he claims that this would be a euphoric, dignified way to die, mm-hmm. elegant is a word he used. Sure. Experts in the field, including one guy from NASA, says euphoria would probably not be what uh, you would feel. You would feel nausea and discomfort. <laughs> You would not. You would be terrified. You would uh, be sick and incredibly uncomfortable, and then you'd die. They're saying this in no way would be uh, a fun you, way to go a out. A fun way to go out. One guy says uh, it wouldn't be fun at all. It's not even fun as art and preposterous as a technical device. Uh, he says curiously. It does work as provocation regardless of intent. So be it. But mostly it's just sad, sad, sad. And that was um, neuroscientist Antonio Damasio who said that.
0: There's got to be some sort of way to make that kind of contraption, though, that would work, not killing you in that manner. Because I don't think that the G-Force death is necessarily the good idea about this what could be a good idea. Like, maybe there's a way that it can just jostle your brain around in such a way that you're like, you know, I'm, you know, and if that were painless, that could work. I mean, technically being jostled to death doesn't sound great, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know. (laughs) Death
2: by jostling. (laughs)
0: But I think the idea itself is cool. Just maybe not the, the manner in which it plans to kill you. Because, like, even the Gravitron makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't like that.
2: I hate the Gravitron.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like there's too much pressure on me and I'm, I'm stuck. I don't like that.
2: And plus, why at the Gravitron, when you, when you walk by it, the music that they choose hasn't been changed since the 80s? Have you ever noticed that?
0: I have noticed that. I think that's the choice of the Carnies.
2: Is it the choice of the Carnies? Big Billy Idol fans?
0: Carneys love Billy Idol.
2: I'm not going to argue that point with you, miss. So, anyway, there's the euthanasia coaster. Um, it may never be built. It was originally uh, presented as a, an art project, mm. but theoretically, it's sound. It would work. Uh, he's hoping, the artist is hoping, that um, in the future, somebody will take these plans and build it, and it will become an option and many agree with his assessment as the concept one of the public prize of the new technological art of update 2013 in Belgium.
0: And there's so many parts to that. I mean I I suppose it makes sense that it would win in that it would work. Mm. But whether or not it would be fun, I think, is the key.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Suffering from nausea and vertigo and then dying is not my idea of... No. And he wants to drop you from a high height, Mm -hmm. causing uh, damage to your body in order to kill you. It's kind of like a really long, drawn-out version of being hung. (laughs) You know, because (laughs) they're dropping you from a height and your body's going to be damaged and you're going to die. And it's much cheaper. Sure. His idea is not just for uh, controlling population in the future but he thought this would be a really neat execution device too if you're going to execute somebody and the principle of of this is to die having fun why would you want them to have fun dying if you're executing them plus it's a hundred million dollars in today's money
0: Mm. well in that case i'm out because you know how i feel when we're mass executing people in a manner that is supposed to be fun it should be cheap I think I saw that on a bumper sticker once. I'm sure you did. I love the idea of creating an amusement park that entirely kills you. Like, yeah. one of these rides will take you out, but you're not sure which one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, there's so much in between being alive and dying. So, like, you'd have to be sure that one of those rides, like, just killed you and didn't just maim you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the other thing, too, is it's not guaranteed to... Uh to work one one i didn't mention this one guy who is a fighter pilot said that he could hack that system they have pressurized pants that would um that help the pilots from not mm-hmm. passing out and also if you're an amputee it wouldn't work
0: what if you like take get a shot of some sort of murder medicine first <laughs> and then take the ride I mean, you could just do that on a regular roller coaster. Sure. Just take some murder medicine and go on a regular roller coaster. This is such a better idea.
1: It began as that stuff that didn't seem to fit anywhere else. It's become that thing in
2: the middle. All right, thing in the middle, it is uh, weird stuff that people have been buried with.
0: I love it. Because every person is an individual, and sometimes their burials are a little wonky, too. Number five, a toilet. The kings of ancient China also took many of the comforts of home with them to the grave, and some of these were on the show The Search for Immortality, a 2012 exhibit of grave goods from the Han Dynasty, uh, which included toilets.
2: Hey, I mean, even dead guys gotta poop. Wait, no. No, they don't.
0: Well, I mean, immediately after.
2: Well, that's, yeah, that's a different I hear that thing. I that happens. Yeah, that, that's something we all have to look forward to.
0: Especially if you're on the roller coaster. Just shit flying everywhere. I do not want to be on the cleanup crew there.
2: No. No. Number four, cell phones. Yep. It's getting to a point where uh, people cannot be separated from their phones even after death. They want to be buried with their cell phone. Uh, reminds me of that story we were talking about the mortician that was preparing the body. Oh, And he leaned over the casket and he didn't notice that His cell phone fell out of his pocket into the, uh, into the casket and he couldn't find it. So he went in the other room and called it in the, in the casket rung.
0: Number three, Doritos. (laughs) Arch West, the inventor of Doritos died of natural causes at the age of 97 in 2011. The Los Angeles Times reported that the family planned to sprinkle Doritos in the grave before the urn was interred.
2: Number two, a chair. The website Find a Grave reports that a guy was buried with his brand new russet leather chair, sitting up with a checkerboard in his lap.
0: He sounds like he would have been fun.
2: He also had him put the tomb key in his pocket just in
0: case. Good call. (laughs) And number one, mammoth tusks.
2: Not recently though, right?
0: Cro-Magnons had rich and varied burials, including one 28,000-year-old site in which three individuals buried together wore garments adorned with thousands of hand-carved ivory beads. And they were buried with straightened mammoth tusks.
2: Certainly more reasonable than, you know, Doritos. And if you're gonna get buried with Doritos, bring enough for all the dead guys.
1: The Box of Oddities. With Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Can I just say
2: thank goodness for Audible. I love Audible. Because I don't have time to read a lot of books, but I love reading books. But I love it even more when somebody reads them for me. Certainly makes a long drive go by fast.
0: Absolutely. And now there's no better place to listen than Audible. Because Audible members get even more exclusive audio fitness programs, audiobooks, Audible originals, and more.
2: One of the books that we have drawn information from on the Box of Oddities podcast, and one that we would highly recommend, is *Cosmos* by Carl Sagan.
0: I'm currently listening to *Cosmos: A Personal Voyage* by Carl Sagan, narrated by Lavar Burton, yes, Seth MacFarlane, yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. and Andrean.
2: That was his lady. Yeah. Every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose. Plus, two Audible originals from a changing selection that you cannot get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, so your membership includes one free audiobook a month, which is amazing. If every month someone was just like, here's a book, how amazing is that? (laughs) It's the thing. It's the only thing that I want is for someone to just hand me a book every
2: month. Plus... The books that you get are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen at any time. And even if you cancel your membership, they're yours. Didn't like the audio- audiobook? Then uh, you can exchange it. No questions asked. How about that?
0: Plus, you can share a book from your library with anyone. And if it's their first time accepting a book through this feature, they can listen for free.
2: Start a 30-day trial with your first audiobook free. Go to audible.com slash box or simply text box to five hundred five hundred.
0: That's audible.com slash box or text box to five hundred five hundred to get started.
2: Start a 30-day trial right now with your first audiobook being free. Again Audible.com slash box or simply text box box to five hundred five hundred. You get all that stuff. Plus, you support the box of oddities.
1: They've been married longer than they've been doing this podcast. And they're still talking to each other. Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth continue with The Box of Oddities.
0: February 24th, 1978. A basketball game ended at the California State University at Chico. Five young men from Yuba City, 50 miles to the south, drove a turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego, went to a convenience store, bought one Hostess cherry pie, one lemon pie, one Snickers bar, one marathon bar, two Pepsis, a quart and a half of milk, and left. All five, Gary Dale Mathias, Jack Madruga, Jackie Hewitt, Ted Weir, and William Sterling, had intellectual disabilities or psychiatric issues to various degrees. All of them lived with family who kept a close eye on them. They were... Lovingly referred to uh, by many people who knew them as the boys, uh, despite the fact that they were um, 24 to 30 years of age. Mm -hmm. So they went to this basketball game. They left. The next day, they failed to return home, and their families became concerned and called the police. On Tuesday, February 28th, so four days later, a forest ranger found Jack Madruga's car abandoned on an unpaved road near Oroville in the Rogers Cow Camp area. That's about an elevation of 4,500 feet. The turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego was located about two and a half hours drive from Chico in the opposite direction from the route they would have been expected to drive home Hmm. on, um, way up in the mountains in the Plumas National Forest. The car had stopped at the snow line, And apparently its tires had spun, but the car wasn't stuck. It had just stopped. Um, The five men could have easily pushed it free, even if they had... I mean, they could have probably just put it in reverse and... Mm. Mm -hmm. But um, the gas tank was a quarter full. There were four maps in the car, including one of California, neatly folded in the glove box. The keys were missing. But when police hotwired the car, the engine started immediately. There were no people in that car.
2: Were there footprints in the snow?
0: They didn't see any footprints, but it had since snowed.
2: Space aliens.
0: A search party was organized. Helicopters surveyed the area from above. On the ground, officers tried to use horses to get around the rocky roads. Apparently, these roads were all ruddy. Mm. It was very mountainous, very secluded, um, and tough to move around. Uh, Families raised $2,600 for a reward for information. They petitioned psychics to help them find their boys.
1: Wow!
0: A witness said that he was on the road several nights before, and he was stuck. He had gotten stuck in the snow, had tried to push his car out, and had actually had a mild heart attack while trying to push his car out. So he just was sitting in his car because he was unable to get help, and he saw what he says, a group of five men that might have been the boys walking with a woman and a baby nearby that abandoned car. Wow. In June of that same year, a small group of motorcyclists going through that area noticed a broken window on a forest service trailer. So they went to investigate the broken window and then the smell. Oh, no, no. Inside the Forest Service trailer was Ted Weir, stretched out on a bed inside the 60 foot trailer, frozen to death. Eight sheets had been pulled over his body and were tucked around his head. His leather shoes were off and missing. A table by the bed held his nickel ring with Ted engraved on it, his gold necklace, and his wallet with cash inside. Weir had been a tall, heavy set fellow about 200 pounds, he had lost about half of that weight. Oh, my God. His feet were badly frostbitten. The growth of his beard on his face showed that he had lived, apparently, starving in agony anywhere from 8 to 13 weeks.
2: Oh, my God.
0: He was 19.4 miles from the car. Weir was wearing a striped velour shirt, lightweight green pants, The trailer had been broken in through the window. No fire had been built, even though there were matches throughout the Mm. the trailer. There were lots of things that could have been burned pretty easily. There were more than a dozen sea ration cans from an outside storage shed that had been opened and emptied. But there was also enough dehydrated Mexican dinners and fruit cocktails and assorted other meals to keep five men alive for more than a year.
2: And he didn't eat any of them. No. Maybe he didn't like fruit cocktail. I don't blame him.
0: Five days after Weir's body was discovered, searchers found the remains of Madruga and Sterling. They lay on opposite sides of the road to the trailer about 11 miles from the car. Madruga had been partially eaten by animals and dragged about 10 feet to a stream. He was clutching his watch. Sterling was in a wooded area. There was nothing left of him but bones. Mm. Autopsies show they would both died of hypothermia, and it was speculated that one might have succumbed to uh, the desire for sleep that marks yeah, right. hypothermia's final stages, and that the other just didn't leave him and then eventually oh, froze to death. That's
1: so sad.
0: Two days later, as part of one of the other search parties, a backbone was found that was about two miles northeast of the trailer. The backbone was discovered to be Jack Hewitt's. And the man that found it was Jack Hewitt's father. Oh,
2: my God. No. His
0: shoes and jeans nearby helped identify the body. Uh, the next day, a deputy sheriff found a skull downhill. Um, dental records showed to be
2: Hewitt's. That was him.
0: And his death was attributed to hypothermia as well. Can you imagine finding your child's backbone? Nope, no. Nope. So back inside the trailer, in addition to the food, a propane tank was connected Uh, which could have provided a ready source of heat and cooking fuel that was untouched. Uh, A Yuba County lieutenant said that all they had to do was turn the gas on, that it was full and ready to use. They would have had gas to cook. They would have had gas to heat the trailer. But nothing was
2: used. Do you think that maybe by the time that he got into the trailer, he was so far gone from being exposed to the elements that he wasn't thinking straight and he just kind of crawled in there and died or were there indications that he had been in that trailer for an extended period of time
0: we know that the there were other people in the trailer with him okay the way that he was tucked in mm. uh, there was no way that he could have done that on his own it would the sheets were tucked in around his head after he had died okay Um yeah. and there were several cans of food that had been opened with an army P-3-8 can opener, which apparently uh, only Madruga and Matthias had served in the army and would have known how to use. Interesting. But those cans had been opened, but all of the other food had not been consumed.
2: None of this makes any sense.
0: What also doesn't make sense is why they drove up there in the first place. They were expected back the next day. Uh, the, the day after they returned, they were supposed to play a basketball game as part of a tournament with a free week to Los Angeles as the prize. And they were all very excited about it. Their clothes had been laid out before they went out that oh my night. God. In fact, Matthias had asked his mother to wash his new basketball sneakers before he left and said, we've got a big game on Saturday. Don't you dare let me oversleep. Mm. So they were obviously planning on being back.
2: So do you think that, uh, is it a possibility that guy saw them with a woman and a baby? Maybe they found a woman and a baby stranded somewhere and she needed a ride and they gave her a ride to this area and then for whatever reason, they left the car and...
0: That's possible. And we're going to... Get to reasons why maybe that doesn't make sense. Okay. So tennis shoes were found inside the Forest Service trailer. They belonged to Gary Mathias, which suggested to investigators that he might have taken them off and put on Weir's leather shoes because okay. remember Weir's shoes were missing. Right. But Weir had bigger feet than Mathias did, so they're thinking maybe at that point Mathias had um, his feet had swelled mm. because of the in, the you know intense cold that was happening frostbite yeah and so he put on the bigger shoes um authorities sent state mental institutions descriptions of matthews he was slender dark haired he had double vision without his glasses because he had schizophrenia and they knew that after a certain period of time without his meds Mm. you know that's inevitably where he would end up if he were found by police or sure yeah yeah they did discover that gary matthews New people in Forbestown, which is about halfway between Chico and Yuba Cities, on a road with a turnoff that might have been pretty easy to miss. Um, But again, with the plans that they had for the next day, it didn't make sense that he would have just decided, hey, let's go and visit these people that I haven't seen in over a year. Police did not rule out foul play. Nor did the families. Melba Madruga, who is Jack's mother, told the Washington Post that she believed that some force, quote unquote, had led the group astray. She said, We know good and well that someone made them do it. To the Los Angeles Times. She said it was impossible for her to believe that Madruga would ever drive his car, which he prized, into an area where it might be damaged, let alone leave windows rolled down, which had happened. They, when the police right, found the car, right. the windows were rolled down, and knowing that it had been snowing, that the weather wasn't good, you know, the interior would have received damage, and he loved this car. He would never have done that. There are some theories that the boys saw something at the basketball game or were lured from the basketball game, maybe by a woman with a baby. But at some point, it became out of their control. Mm-hmm. And they weren't you know, giving someone a ride somewhere anymore, but they were being taken somewhere.
2: Did they ever find the keys? They weren't in the trailer or anything. No.
0: And they never found Gary Mathias.
2: Really? Never found Gary Mathias. Boy, there's just so many unanswered questions.
0: And this is sometimes referred to as the American Diet Love Pass
2: incident. Incident,
0: and it's very similar. There's a lot of unanswered questions. I think even with this one, there are more questions because there's just no information about what happened between the basketball game and and them finding these bodies. It's just it's horrible.
2: And and the fact that they had everything they needed. Right. To, to survive. Take care of and they didn't. What comes to my mind is uh some of the the, the strange behavior of the um Franklin expedition mm-hmm. when they were trapped in the in the ice in their attempt to find the Northwest Passage. And that was attributed to lead poisoning in the solder in the um
0: the canned foods. The canned foods.
2: Because the canned foods at the time that was a brand new technology right. and they were using solder to close it up and you know, so it caused a lot of these guys to just go insane from lead poisoning. But there doesn't seem to be any kind of agent that would have caused that with them.
0: Right. Another question is that inside the trailer, there was a gold watch with the crystal missing, which none of the five men owned. It belonged to someone else.
2: Yeah. And none of their personal belongings of value had been stolen either. Right. So it wasn't a robbery that went wrong. Nope. Wow. Wow. And they still don't have what's what's the best guess? Does anybody have one?
0: No. I mean, no.
2: I'll take anything at this point.
0: There were reports that the day before the boys went to the basketball game, a snow cat had gone to that trailer. So there may have been a packed down path that they could have walked, mm. but why they walked it mm. no one knows.
2: Twenty miles from the car. Yep. It doesn't make any sense.
0: It makes no sense. <sighs>
2: But I want answers. I am. I'd never heard of this. Fascinating story. That was 1972?
0: 1977. No, 1978.
2: 78. Okay. Well, now I'm just going to dig into that and see if I can solve the mystery. Because Um, somebody has to, darn it.
0: Well, if you are looking, I used uh, Wikipedia, the Washington Post, and Mental Floss.
2: All right. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. And now you're torturing me because I don't have any answers. And I'm you know, sorry. I need answers. I know. It's okay. I love you anyway. Don't forget to get your tickets for the uh, live show. We really would love to see you. It's going to be February 27th at Zany's Comedy Nightclub in Nashville. My
0: friend Amber is coming. She's
2: flying down.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's
2: so great. Um, Tickets are available on our website, theboxofoddities.com.
0: You should come and meet my friend Amber.
2: She's nice.
0: All right, I can hear the dogs whining. Let's go.
2: The Box of Oddities lands on your phone twice a week. We will see you on
1: Monday.
0: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
1: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The Box of Copyright 2018, all rights reserved.
2: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast